good morning. Good morning. Morning. Oh, well, you're very loud in my headphones. Okay, one second. Oh, you got you got a, a little perky there. Okay. Hi. Sorry, I'll tone it down. All right. Well, yeah, don't. Well, no, I need that energy. I just don't need it in the form of volume on my end. Okay. Um, oh, I, d- I desperately need that energy today. Uh, I am. I, I, I don't know if I sound more tired than usual, but I am running on like, um, like under five hours of sleep. So that's not great. Um, so we're, this episode's either going to be really, really good, really good, or really bad. Can it be both? I, yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. We can, we can exist. In I will a, continue that. The tenuous balance of good and bad shall just get tenuouser. Um, <laughs> so that's yeah. like, I mean, I get home late usually, but why are you up to like two or something? Uh, so the the this is a topic for the podcast, I suppose. Uh, well, definitely. Uh, so uh, my my Father's Day gift was a walk. A, uh, a a walk a walk like a like like a, a like giant a cooking yes. bowl. Yes, it is a flat bottomed walk because I'm not like hardcore enough to have a, a pure uh, curved bottom serious walk. Um, and I'm come on, you know. So anyway, I have a I, I have know. a walk. Do you have uh, a gas range? I have a gas range. Okay. Everybody has gas in Chicago. Um, I guess in that Chicago. makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it's because the, it's the, of the heating and stuff and also mm-hmm. the food. Um, and uh, so it's, a, it's, I don't know, walk size, like maybe 15, 16 inches around. You know, it's pretty significant. Um, it was a cool gift. I uh, did not know that part of the walk process, tell me if you knew this, is uh, a, a fairly intense seasoning regimen. Well, I don't know. I would have assumed it was pan to pan. I'm a. I'm guessing you can buy a pre-seasoned wok, but well, here's the thing. Uh, it, it it doesn't. It isn't quite like a you know getting a large cast iron pan or whatever, which I believe are all pre-seasoned these days. Uh, it is not pre-seasoned. It is coated um, because the way woks woks are carbon steel. And uh, from what I understand, as a person who learned about this last night, uh, is uh, they between the way that they're they're stored and uh, and the material that they're made of, um, they have, are traditionally woks were coated in machine oil. So if back in the day, you went to get a, a wok from from uh, you know the Chinatown in San Francisco in the '60s or whatever. You get a machine oil wok. And uh, you know, you touch the thing, and now you got to go wash your hands because you're like you're basically like touching like engine parts. Uh, and so you would have to go home and scrub off all the machine oil, get it back to the, like the raw steel, and then uh, season it, to, or else it would rust. Um, modern woks often are covered in like a, a coating that's like a um, I, I don't know the word for it, but uh, let's see, wok poison. Um, no, it's it's not. Uh, I mean, you can get a non-stick walk, right? I mean, there, but but like this was a carbon steel walk. Um, uh, no, this one says factory oil. Anyway, some of them have like a a, a uh, 
a protective coating that isn't oil, but it is um, on there. And if you don't get it off, when you go to heat the pan, it can, um, you, you won't be able to, uh, it'll smell, it smells weird. Like this is part of the process. It's like on the, uh, on the uh, packaging. It's like, hey, take a scrub brush and scrub off or a scrubby glove and, uh, or a sponge and uh, some soap, scrub off the, the coating on the, on the wok. What so, you call a sponge? Scrubby brush? Scrubby sponge. Scrubby okay. sponge is what I meant to say. I don't have a scrubby brush. I do have a scrubby sponge. I ended up uh, switching over to a uh, piece of like a kitchen steel wool, though, eventually. Um, like a steel wool, a steel sponge, you know? Like not, anyway. Uh, because it just, it, I heated it. Or you're supposed to boil water in it first. So I did that, and it smelled like chemicals. And then, so you t- pour that out and you start scrubbing and you see the, like this, the, this like clouded finish had sort of shows up once you boil it, water in it. So you're scrubbing at that and then you're eventually supposed to um, heat a couple tablespoons of oil in there for 10 minutes, swish it around, like empty it out uh, and then uh, keep doing, do that three times. So you're s- slowly starting to build up like a patina, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool you know it, it goes from being like a very neutral gray to like this cool dark golden color but as i was doing the um so th- as i was doing that second part the oil part and of course i started this process at like 10 10 30 because i'm an idiot um so as i'm doing the 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 second part i'm noticing like parts of the oil seem to be like glopping together a little bit. Like it's, it's like there, there seem to be parts of the pan that I didn't get the coating off of, but we're talking about like a clear coating. Right. So I wrestled with it for a while. I kind of, I would heat it up. I had a pair of, I started to, I started to MacGyver it. I had a pair of long tongs that I use for barbecue and steak and stuff. And I had the, the, um, the steel wool on the end of that. And as I was heating the pan super hot on the, on the stove, I was scrubbing at the, the coating there because it seemed like it was coming off easier there than with a, you know, a plastic sponge in the sink. Uh, eventually I, th- I think I ended up with a, a functioning walk. I, I don't know. I, like I said, this is uh this was a hassle. I knew it was going to be a hassle. It was an enjoyable hassle. Shannon said what, from what she read, people would, uh, bond with their pan over this process <laughs> so so this is like raising a child uh, i mean and over the course of three hours and the pan didn't like poop on anything but uh but, other than you that, know sleep yeah. deprivation and love hate relationship oh yeah um definitely you'll have it for i don't know years probably Hopefully, I mean, it's a, you know, carbon seal. Hopefully it'll like get that ni- nice dark. Well, eventually it'll be black with, uh, with use. Like that'll be cool. Like, um, I am in, in, intrigued by the walk because a lot of the time I just need to blast something like saute it really fast. And that just seems like a, a good method for doing that stuff, even outside of like regular stir fry. Although I guess that's just what stir fry is. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just imagining you sort of in the kitchen for stretches of six hours or so, and uh, Shannon pokes her head back there occasionally and yells an order at you, and you toss more stuff in the wok and yeah. put that on. Yeah, no, it's it's um 
she she peaced out um, early in the night as and left me to my like weird walk problems. <laughs> and but uh, yeah, it, it's also so. I think that like um, there there it's one of those areas where there's plenty of information online, but the um, reliability of said information is is basically zero. Uh, plenty of people. This is a walk from Sur La Table, which is a a fairly standard kitchen kitchen brand. Are you familiar with Sur La Table? It's kind of like you know, perhaps it's a, it's a kitchen chain. I would there. have to look it up. Yeah, whatever. It's a it's a it's a this isn't like a, a, a something mysterious, right? It's a fairly common uh, item, but you go online and to cook in blogs, and everybody kind of just repeats the messaging from the instructional package, you know, the pack or the you know the packaging, and they don't have um, so. Uh, let's see, have you ever encountered this? Like there are. Um, certain things you can just go online like hey you need to change the oil in your car there's a dude there's guaranteed there's a already a, a video online of some dude changing the oil in your car if you want to learn how to do it yourself youtube has a video and yep. maybe then maybe 20 minutes long and nine minutes of that might be an intro where the guy tells you about his car but he will change the oil and you'll be able to do it um this walk situation uh, from the handful of videos I tried to find, it just seemed like uh, almost nobody did what the packaging said to do. And the people who did what the packaging said to do generally seemed confused as to whether they did the right thing. <laughs> so so there, there were a lot of people who were like, I don't know, um, I gave up on the scrubbing and um, cured it in the oven, which you can do, but the handles are wooden, so you have to wrap the handles in like wet washcloths and... I'm, I'm looking at your stuff. walk right now, not yours. I'll send be you a weird, picture of mine later. But mine I'm and, looking at the one that should be identical to yours. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's 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 a like it's a metal pan, right? It's it seems yeah. like it would be fairly straightforward. It's the coating thing, I guess. Only walks have this coating thing. I surely we have technology at this point. Well, here's the thing. That's uh, the problem is the people, the, the people who um, are giving advice online sometimes are too well prepared. So their solutions are too uh, unique to them being well prepared. Um, you have the you have the oven people, which I wasn't going to resort to doing that because apparently it might mess up the handle and stuff. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the solvent people. And there are people who are like, oh, this, you know, I figured it's this kind of coating. So I went into my garage and got like some acetone or, or some, uh, some, some this or that, some, some, some solvent of some point or, or, you know, some type. And then I soaked it in that and that stuff came right off and the chemists out there. Yeah, right? I don't, I, I'm sure that there's, that works possibly, but I don't like to fight chemicals with chemicals. I feel like worst case explosion, best case poison. <laughs> yeah, that's an in, incredibly paranoid view of science that you have there. <laughs> uh, I love science. Uh, just disclaimer: when I am the scientist and it's about chemicals and it's about eating things, then I'm yeah. much more suspicious of my own ability to 
accurately carry out the science. Yeah, no, I, I find myself on the scale of give up and put it in the oven to uh, like douse it in chemicals. I am not, I'm not, I think I'm not quite elbow grease uh, dependent or I'm not willing to like just scrub at it with a plastic brush for forever. You, you know, if, if it's one of those problems where uh, the solution is apparently just to do what you're doing harder until it's done. I'm always going to get a little bit more, more MacGyvery than that to like, I, I, I was like, man, I really, really want to use a steel wool on this, but I wonder if I'll mess up the finish or something. Um, and then I looked online and someone pointed out that you can't like underneath steel is just more steel. Like, yeah. You're not, you're not gonna. So I was like, all right, that's it. I'm using the, I'm using the steel wool. And then I eventually used the steel wool as the pan was on the stove, just cause it felt like it was taking things off easier like that. So, uh, and by my, the, <laughs> and by the time Shannon woke up in the morning, she hears yeah. noise and you're in the kitchen and you have all the lights off. And she turns it on, and you're like, "Stop! The light's affecting the surface." And you have like it's like hanging by a, like some wires, and you've got all this stuff going on. Yeah, the, and there's just a handle connected to like a ring. <laughs> I've, I've scrubbed through the pan. There's a, <laughs> there's a beaker of bubbling chemicals to the side. Mm -hmm. One of those Jacob's ladders in the corner. So anyway, that's my walk story. I I I, I uh, then at one thirty in the morning I was I ate a turkey sandwich. Just I don't remember why I was I was tired from the walk and it just seemed like a good idea at the time. And uh, and uh, then I went to bed hoping that the walk story would be either an intro to a podcast episode where we um, liberate ourselves from the increasingly dire day-to-day -day news cycle for one brief hour and talk about food or talk about work ethic or something i don't know there's some there's some meta this walk is a metaphor for something i know it i'm just too tired well, to think of work it. ethic that just triggered me so i don't want to i don't think i want to talk about that i felt really <laughs> exhausted hearing that um i the, i think the most disturbing part of that story to me was that feeling where you can't get really good information about what you need off the internet. Because yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know if it developed over time or I had just, you know, you, you don't search for something specific enough eventually or the internet itself is changing where yeah. you just believe that if you really need to know something, it's it's there it's somewhere on the internet and when you spend a couple hours with something like this i mean there's information out there but you realize that there's not a definitive answer available for you you start to feel like you've just been tossed adrift outside a space station that you thought you were going to live in your whole life and you're like wait what else can i not find out help and it's, yeah. I think, uh, like a much more natural place to be, but I, I sometimes realize that I'm like, yeah, I'll just use the internet. And I put a lot of thoughts like over to the side, like, yeah, internet knows this. Yeah, I, I think 
like as I was looking for it wasn't this it was something else the other day uh, the I found it difficult to oh so <laughs> I watched um, most of the the uh, 1997 movie Spawn Todd McFarlane's Spawn do you remember this movie I do yeah so I I was looking for a movie and I said oh yeah what was up with that clown dude. I'll watch Spawn. I'm, I sort of have a soft spot for A, video game movies, and B, um, early CGI movies where they're just kind of like s- happy that it they made anything with CGI. Right, right. <laughs> Which is really with the... Anyway, so, so I'm, I got about two-thirds of the way through, realized that I was not going to finish the movie Spawn because it's a un, like a unequivocally terrible movie um, for almost every possible reason. And so I decided to go look at online for like uh, fan blogs or something, right? To give me some, uh, give me, I want, I want like some guy's weird horror movie blog where he talks about like some stuff I didn't know about Spawn because the, the IMDB and the Wikipedia pages are actually kind of thin on Spawn. Uh, hmm. I wanted some Spawn, Spawn lore, some, some tales, or at least some dude's like opinion about the thing. So, the problem is uh, the uh, recently Jamie Fox has been announced as like a uh, recast and a remake of Spawn. Yeah, I think I did so, hear that. So mm, the problem with that is that makes Googling for Spawn very difficult because I don't uh, know if it's yes. I don't know if it's that um, the blogs are fading away like blogs are being shut down over time like definitely blog platforms have disappeared right i mean blogspot still exists but um there's plenty of platform plenty of independently hosted wordpress blogs people have stopped paying for on their own or you know other other older blog platforms or or forums like right forums in general have died i personally was really involved in a tony hawk 2 forum that no longer exists and hasn't for like 10 years and like that stuff, you know, it might be an internet archive or something, but um, the over the, over the years, the nature of the inter- information on the internet and also the nature of finding that information have changed to where I, I feel like, um, you know, for edge cases like that, the internet has optimized away from that information either being re- readily available or existing like at all. Um, so I, I feel like if you're used to the internet that you and I grew up with as wonky as it was, I actually think my theory is that that internet actually had more information on it or at least a wider range or wider array Uh of information. I will say the internet has become deceptively more centralized in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. Um, a lot of, you know, larger either corporations or just things that grew from the internet as a small thing to a very large controlling encompassing group. Um, They sort of centralize a lot of things. Then they use that and sort of create a more of a marketing based strategy for using it. And so like you're saying, uh, blog spots that disappear or, um, Places like Pinterest take over, and you can't just access the data there, you know, yeah. directly. And it, 
I, I do think there's an element of that. I never anticipated that that would be a thing. It just seemed like a, a unstoppable expansion of flat information. Yeah. And uh, maybe I'm overstating it because I'm taking two minutes to think about it. <laughs> but it could be true. I mean, I have I have a handful of, I mean, like I already listed some concrete examples of this happening. To me, it feels like, uh, do you remember, well, you might not have even noticed, but a, which would be fine, but a few years ago, um, Target re, re, uh, re, redid their, see, that's the technical term, redid their uh, inventory. They, they reorganized the store pretty heavily. They came up with the, that up and up brand, which, um, which is like target store brand. And they, um, they, in an effort to kind of like make target feel a little bit more premium than say Walmart or Kmart, which I'm not, I'm 100% not sure whether Kmart even exists anymore. Um, it, but I'm sure it, it did exist and that's enough for us. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. The, uh, so target, um, optimized their store, um, to a point where I kind of hate going in target because I know that they are either going to have one or zero of something that I want, but they ne- almost never have two of something. Like if you go to a target looking for a, an Allen wrench set, like, th- or something, you know, something like that isn't something super basic. Um, they may just inexplicably not have one yeah. or, or they may have one option because they've, they've optimized and it, it did. It made the Over, score feel it, cleaner, it, yeah, but you know over I mean? optimization, it's almost like they separated the jobs out so much that the optimizer didn't have to think about the the usefulness of the system for uh, a person, or maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, that's more likely because, you know, they put a lot of money and people into doing this. But the end result seems to be that they're optimizing their business strategy, and it doesn't really have anything to do with or has less to do with something that would be practically useful for me. Um, as long as it puts me in a position where I still have to buy the thing. Well, yeah, that's the thing is I, I think that as target, you have some leeway there because someone is probably going to be like, well, I'm, I am in target anyway. What else do I need? I guess they don't have this like thing. I would basically, if you're not sure if target has something target doesn't have it, that's my experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, that. anecdotally, I very recently had that experience and it it's super exciting because it was like bathroom towel hanging fixtures. And I was like, I didn't have a lot of time to be at any store during any day. And I thought, <laughs> oh, well, we have a minute and we don't have, we have like random towel hangers and, and, and stuff like that. We need to just get a standardized set. Where has like many many aisles of just dedicated bathroom stuff target of all places is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. and may have something that's not just like plastic fake chrome coated nothing and uh yeah i wandered through like many many aisles of bathroom stuff and wasted the entire effort because they did not have one thing i was looking for now that's a boring anecdote, but it is nonetheless 
exactly in line with what you're saying. So now I'm going to buy into your conspiracy theory a little bit. Well, I, inefficiency is an important part of data being varied or like information being varied. Like uh, the the most efficient, you know, I I, I look I want to see some in, some fun facts about a movie. Um, the ideal efficient internet. My sorry, my three year olds behind me yelling pee pee and giggling. Were you yelling pee pee? Yeah, she was. Well, to, it's a funny word. Me, she, yesterday she told me that a hundred plus a hundred equals butt, um, which it doesn't. But she's three. <laughs> I don't know. Where I don't she think you got, got the joke. Frankly, I thought that was brilliant. Oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know where she she um, she gets that stuff. Um, what was I saying? So. Yeah, the, 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 and this, I, I guess this all has a definite undercurrent of get off my lawn to it. No, um, it's just, uh, we're opening people's eyes to the changing world around them. Wake up, <laughs> yeah, sheeple. Yeah, it used to be that there weren't people on my lawn, and now there are. <laughs> the world has changed. <laughs> um, no, for real, the, 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 uh, the the uh, serendipity of the internet has gone away a little bit. Where like I had to go. There's another thing. This is weird. Weirdly, more conspiracy, and maybe I should know more about this as someone who works on internet things. But I feel like once you get past like page three and Google, the search results are no good anymore. Like really bad. Like for I was. You, do you ever go past I page three? I rarely. And I very much agree. I'm not sure if it ever was good, but I felt like it was. And now I feel like it's auto. I mean, you have to, you have to scan past all the auto created pages. The more specific your search, the more likely you're going to get weird auto created pages. Skip past the obvious (laughs) large site keyword whores all and, the amp stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And then, I mean, if you're really desperate, we call it a, a Google vision quest. <laughs> I think it was a comedian that came up with that years ago. But anyway, yeah. If you're getting past page three or spending more than 30 minutes, you're on a Google vision quest and there's no guarantee you're coming out. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I don't have any information about who made the Google vision, vision quest joke. Uh, yeah, it feels very top heavy, very optimized, very like, uh, you know, I, it, with the, um, with the, when I, I just want to f- see some dudes, random information. Okay. Felix, they're heading to, uh, they're heading to homeschool camp today. It's like a classical conversations, uh, um, training for the moms. And then the kids are like archers going to some sort of a mapping thing, geo drawing, which sounds really cool. Which I sounds a lot like drawing. mapping, but geo drawing yeah. sounds way cooler. Yeah, geo, yeah, cartographers get with it. You should have been called geo drawers. This I whole don't time. think you need to improve on the word cartographer though, because it's a really cool sounding old but still uh, descriptive term. Uh, yeah, I feel like cartographer is the kind of job that. Um, you better be careful about saying it at a party because it's just obscure enough that people are going to ask you about being a cartographer the rest of the knife and night and just recognizable enough that they're going to know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Not pretentious enough, huh? 
uh, or or just too specifically interesting. I feel like if you're a cartographer, you have to you have to know that once you say I'm a cartographer, you're not going to be able to talk about someone else's job now. Ah, uh, this is for at. the person who doesn't already want to only talk about themselves. Right. I mean, if you're a narcissistic cartographer, then. You've got it made. <laughs> You're like, well, I work. On, I'm a cartographer, um, and then you like unfurl a map from your back, from like your jacket. I mean, like, yeah, they're suspicious of all the large scroll-like objects you're carrying. So you're just dying for them to ask. Does anyone want to be- debate Mercator projections versus versus polar projections? Um, I, I think would. there's an. Mercator predictions are lame. Everyone thinks, no, my children think Greenland is huge. <laughs> it's a problem. It's the biggest lie. Wake up yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let's see. Um, well, now she's yelling at my seven-year-old to get out of bed, which is a thing that we've talked about not doing because it's very mean. <laughs> but she just doesn't understand why everyone doesn't start the day at the same time. I have, a, I have an actual f- interesting, funny child anecdote from yesterday, courtesy of Shannon. Um, so my child, my three-year-old, um, Shannon asked her if she wanted to go to the aquarium sometime and see the fish. Normal question. Uh, normal thing for a child to, to, to be excited about. She got very excited and said, will we also see the fire? Um, so. Immediately brings up thoughts of misconception. Yeah. Mis- uh, strange associations that a, a toddler might make. Uh, and thankfully, we have a seven-year-old who functions as a translator sometimes. Uh, and he realized that what she meant was um, to her, the fish are a screensaver, uh, one of the screensaver apps, one of the free ones I downloaded on the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And one of the other one of the other ones is like a, a fireplace. So that's, you know, she drew a correlation there. It's like, oh, okay, we're just going to go see stuff from the Apple TV screensaver. I'm going to see some fish, going to see the fire. I think you could just manufacture that experience. Um, just sort of like uh, highlights of the Apple screensaver day trip. Oh, well, we also have like, we oh, Apple screensaver day trip. You know what? We would need to first find a fire museum, which now I'm wondering why there isn't a fire museum. I would go to a fire museum. <laughs> I, I would 100% go to a fire museum, although it would alternately be inspiring and very sad. But hey, that sounds like how a museum should be. Yeah, I mean, most museums. I mean, a nature museum is just dead animals stuffed and arranged in in majestic drama. Or at least the one here is. Um, I mean, museums are 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 exactly that. What would a, a fire museum? Imagine there'd be a hands on section where you could like burn different stuff, different colors. I mean, I'm not going unless there's a full scale diorama of cavemen creating a fire somewhere. First off, it it doesn't have to be animatronic, but that would be okay. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you you could have, I mean, uh, 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 animatronic uh, sort of uh, gyros and whatnot are going to be very efficient at the process of actually creating a fire. So I I would expect my cavemen to They could really create a fire? Oh, man. That's right, striking a flint, yeah. But you're expecting Um, that, like, 
I'm sure you've been to kids' museums, that there's mm -hmm. sort of a fire workshop area where there's different stations where kids <laughs> interact and create fire in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you, maybe, or, or I mean. Put out fires. Obviously, that's oh. part of it. Of course, there's a, there'll be a sort of a sad part of the museum where it talks about fire death. Um, obviously, you have to cover that. Um, the, and this is in general. This museum is about the celebration of, of fire. Right. Um, oh, the, it's a the, celebration of fire. So is uh, there yeah, like a burn unit uh, section of the... Oh, I see. I mean, yeah, it, I suppose you you would need sort of like the effects of fire. Um, I I feel like the, the core of the museum is is merely... Uh, different types of fire classifications of fire. I think fire there is undersold as a as a single sort of unit. But what, I I want to see what are the classifications of fire? Uh, different colors of fire. Like how do <laughs> how do different things burn? I how does it burn? Uh, like okay, the there's there's a section where you're burning different chemicals like copper. Right. Uh, you know, what is that? Like green or something? There's a whole setup. Of oh that. man, yeah. You're, you're talking about uh, some white phosphorus, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, kids need some eye protection there, but <laughs> you know, I think if you bring your kids <laughs> to we, a fire museum, why? You better why be why am I moving towards the kid museum angle? With every, <laughs> yeah, I think really, it's because it's the only museums I've been to lately. Or for children, I mean, their children. The fire museum will have a children component certainly, and um, you'll definitely be signing a variety of waivers. <laughs> I mean, just a inspiring amount of look. The number of waivers that you sign are going to be a direct indication of how fascinating and amazing the fire museum is going to be. By was the it, end of those waivers, you're no, you know that you're ready for anything. Was it was it Proteus that took the fire from the god? Uh, where am I on this? I'm totally lost. Well, I mean, Proteus took I think took the fire from the gods. Um, Ryu uh, throws a fireball. Um, I expect. There's got to be some sort of a... Maybe we can move into plasma a little bit. Who stole the fire from the gods? No, it's not that. Uh, who stole the fire from the gods? Let's see. Uh, Prometheus. Prometheus. There it is. Yeah. I don't know. He that stole was fire from that the was gods. a really easy one, and I totally whiffed. I, I wonder if Ar Archer may literally have been able to answer that question. They do a surprising be, amount of I may mythology able to answer that work. question. I definitely am uh, in the uh, daytime. Wait, who is Proteus then? Is that like a Ford? A Ford Proteus? That just uh, sounds like a car. Proteus is Pro somebody. I, I've never Proteus said his name in forever. He's subject to the sea god Poseidon. Oh, okay, so he's like a sub. He's a one of Poseidon's minions. Um, it's also a video game and a bacteria. Um, so I think you you're just believing whatever the internet's telling you right now. <laughs> Definitely. Let's see, what, let's see what page three of Google says about Proteus. <laughs> page three of Google. Proteus uh, in, in the Two Gentlemen of Verona. Schmoop.com. Oh. I don't even <laughs> want to know. That, that sounds like I was. I thought it was Shakespeare for a minute, but now it, I'm, it's Schmoop, which is really... Proteus is also a moon of Neptune. All sorts of things. It's a good name. Mm. Anyway, I think Fire that's Museum. my favorite so far. Okay. I, I expect uh, there there need to be like f I think that the one of the maybe uh, tricky parts of a fire museum is sort of the you know the inherently ne destructive nature of fire means you're gonna need to you're gonna need a pretty robust supply chain of whatever the hell you're burning from nine to five in the fire museum every day. Um, so I, I guess there is that as sort of a um. 
a mild issue, but I again the 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 waivers and the and the legal fees maybe maybe uh, maybe uh, you maybe some of those materials by the ounce aren't that uh, aren't that uh, costly, but you can go right. charge char- charge in in the in the hands on <laughs> area. Maybe you uh, maybe you charge well, it's by like the, a microtransaction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, it's maybe $10 to get in the fire museum, but you're going to drop all that money in the room, uh, where, where, with the vending machine of things you can burn, you know, and I think that thing takes cards or maybe some, some sort of a membership plan. And, uh, you're just in there for a while. I'm thinking mm. with your, with your mask and your goggles, because the things you're burning, like, man, if they weren't, if they, you know, if you could burn them at home, then what are you doing at the wire museum? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Right, no, this is like, uh, it's like people who pay to go shoot, like, Gatling guns and stuff, is that the idea? <laughs> yeah, exactly, if I, if I could shoot, a, if I could shoot a car with a Gatling gun in my backyard, I'm not going to Arizona. Right, w- will um, there be plasma involved? I mean, the defining fire becomes a problem eventually. Uh, see, <laughs> I think that, that that's where you kind of, uh, you can bend the rules for the people, because, uh, I certainly can't answer whether plasma is fire. And uh, so I think that uh, your average Joe just wants things that are fiery. It doesn't necessarily, he's not, he's not going to like leave the museum in a huff because you, you've got something that's not technically fire. This is, I mean, at some point it's a burning museum or it's like a shiny hot things museum. Like (laughs) you can really like kind of just like reach out and grab anything that, that sort of implies fire Put it in your museum if it's if it's uh, awesome enough. Just anything that's hot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's got to be hot and exciting, but sure. <laughs> okay, so hot and exciting. <laughs> oh, this is I, I'm I'm all in on this museum now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like yeah. No, it's a. I'm 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 thinking the whole thing through. You get you also you've got licensing deals because you're going to have a section of the museum that's like fire like, and what's and the culture. gift shop look like? I'm desperate to know. I I mean like I, I'm expecting like a plush fireball. Um, oh, definitely a uh, plush campfire. I, which yeah, I sort of want that now that I've said it. Let's let's be clear. The waivers are gonna are gonna clear you from almost everything. That I mean, these are gonna be some some ironclad waivers. They're gonna protect. Uh, they're gonna protect you, not necessarily your visitors, but you <laughs> from everything that's happening inside the museum. But the gift shop, no, people are taking things home. That thing is plush, one hundred percent plush. Wait, one hundred percent. What about like a flint and steel? Yeah, a uh, they'll sell like steel. a fire kit where it's like a. Um, you know, like a stick and a bow and a plate, a wooden plate where you do the uh, traditional oh, great yeah. fire with a stick, which, the, you know, the obviously. The margin on a stick is going to be like 8,000%. We're it's definitely going to sell because some sticks. It's, it's a single piece of leather shoelace that breaks yeah. really fast. Um, and, yeah. of course, it's not going to work either way. But, no. you know, you've just been... Um, Oh, I'm going to use a pun. You've just been stoked by being in this fire me- museum that oh boy. you're going to want to do it. And, you know, oh, it just sells yeah. itself. Yeah. I mean, people, people, uh, you know, in the 1800s would, would, uh, or before, I mean, since the BC would just make, make one of these by hand in 30 seconds, but in our gift shop, I'm thinking 2495. Easy. Uh, uh, yeah. But if you get a membership to the fire museum, 
it's yeah, 1999. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 20, what is that? 20 per, 20% off in the gift shop. Definitely. I mean, yeah, we'll let you take home the full set of collectible, uh, plush fire, uh, fire types, you know, I mean, yes. fire again, many colors. You have a whole, you have a whole, uh, sort of product line there. Easy. Um, real flamethrowers or no? I mean, I think that the there's there's sort of like a, we we do have to draw the line well at, at like eighteen and up for certain areas of the hands on uh, hands on section of the museum. I mean, maybe it's like when you go you know when you go to the um, the, the theme park and uh, uh, it's a there's a one yeah. flat but, cost to get in, but then that like crazy thing that slingshots you five hundred feet in the air. Um, and then, uh, and then you pee yourself. That thing is like $40 a ride. Anything that would create, the, you know? t- my feeling on those is that they charge for anything that would create too long a line for how fast they can service it. Okay. So yeah, pretty much exactly. the most epic part of the museum would probably end up being like that. <clears throat> yeah. It's 40, it's $40 for, for, uh, per tank on the old flamethrower. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe uh, there are these places that you can go. I don't know if this is still a thing. It feels like a thing that is going to become more and more common as time goes on. But there are there are places that you can go and pay to smash a room up. Have you seen this? Oh, I have heard about that. Yeah, you take like a um, you go into like a kitchen that's been set up specifically for you to to smash, and then you just take a sledgehammer or whatever and go wild. Um, I think that, you know, you have like a sort of a, um, a piecemeal, uh, uh, bonus, uh, you know, five extra dollars and you can also flame throw like a kiddie pool or wait, no, the, why, why did I go straight to a children's thing? <laughs> well, I understand the idea was less kitty and more like it contains something in a small area. Right. You fill it with uh, Cheerios or something. <laughs> I'm not paying $40 to burn a pile of Cheerios. Look, that kitty pool early? better melt at least. This 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 idea is in its infancy. I was trying to think of something that would melt interestingly that was plastic. Oh, uh, but maybe like maybe like a crude wax know, sculptures. Oh sure. Oh man. I then mean, we're bordering on like effigies, but yeah. No, no. You get uh, you get a uh, Lucasfilm on board. You get the um, you get the the Nazi from uh, um, from Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you you give them a good old uh, fashioned uh, ender, ending of the Lost oh, Ark. Oh man, experience. that's great, and they're filming it. And you uh-huh. get to take home like a little um, looped sort of gift style picture frame. Twenty nine ninety five. Dude, Easy. this is a this is a battery powered picture frame. <laughs> this is gonna be more uh, of of your version of the melting Nazi face. See, I feel like this that sort of bold product is exactly in the spirit of the fire museum, which is you aren't saying take home like a a picture or take home or like upload it to a website where you can look at it later this is a looping gif that sits on you like you're not going to put that in a drawer you paid Uh 29.95 for it and it also is using up a double a battery so you got to keep that thing on the mantle and as people come over and are are talking to you and trying to focus on your conversation (laughs) there's going to be a face melt repeatedly (laughs) a looping melting nazi in the corner they're going to be they're going to be is, on their toes. This is something and I would have what? in my house. They're also going to be asking about that fire museum a lot. Uh, well, okay, so we're already. <laughs> this is this is selling itself repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, 
question, though, um, because I'm sure we'll have different opinions on this. What I'm seeing is, especially if this was an exhibit, like a traveling exhibit in other museums, which would be impossible because of all of the equipment necessary to keep the place from burning down constantly. Yeah, our waivers also are very specific to this one building. We have to be <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, it's like a DMZ. You can't even enter the parking lot until you've oh, gone yeah. through a gate. Yeah. So my immediate thought is, you know, you got your history of fire and forest fire and maybe volcanoes, and then coal. Right? Ooh, was lava. a huge. We have to have lava. Well, yeah. like lava, and then coal's a huge thing with with fire. Like it's a big historical part of humans use of fire but then but then inevitably we're going to get to the um release over release of carbon due to human use of fire Mm. and here's where you got to be careful because as much as i like a holistic example of things um i don't want 50% 50% of my fire museum to be about responsible use of fire and global warming. Like I see I'm, I'm willing to have it on the disclaimer. Right. Mm. Um, but I've been to too many. I've actually been to too many museums where they're so worried about making sure people don't think something that has negative impacts is good in and of itself that I feel like I'm not actually getting the history anymore. I'm getting the history of why the history was bad. And I'm like, look, I'm an adult. I would like to hear the information. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'll sign a waiver. I want to go to a museum where it's like right up front. Would you like to sign a waiver stating that you know all the negative impacts of historical <laughs> events over time? And like I take a little test. And if I pass the test, they like – cancel all of the stuff in the rest of the museum that tells me about that. And I'm like, thank you. I will go to the history now. <laughs> I, I think that uh, there's something there. Uh, I have sort of two solutions to the, to the problem of a hand-wringing museum. Um, first, first, I think uh, what you could do is emphasize the insane scale of the actual problem. Um, so we, you know, in our museum, we're going to have a s- sample of coal. Uh, again, air conditioning might be an issue in this building just in, <laughs> in general. Well, so, like, we'll I don't sell want... fire, we'll sell heat repellent ponchos, which is <laughs> oh, another wow. moneymaker. Oh man. Yeah. So, or maybe like little uh, hats with, with fans on them. Um, so the, um, you know, the, the coal section, we will have some coal, it will be burning, but it will be like... <laughs> I don't know, uh, a piece of coal. You know, we're not talking like a, even, we're talking a fraction of a backyard grill worth of coal. Right, we're talking like a Scrooge in the Christmas Carol amount of coal. Right, someone's warming their hands over a single briquette right. kind of thing. And, and it, it, with that, you could have um, some sort of an exponent-based statistic of how much uh, coal burns in the world. Like, you could be like, you could really just like have it out for that single piece piece of coal. And what you're doing is uh, building awareness in a way that involves very big numbers, which is fun. And also shifting blame way away from your fire museum. Like you could even have like stats at a fire museum level about, about like you can even, I, I don't know if there's a businessman down the road, you want to drag just say like the, this fire museum is 0.5% as, as uh, harmful to the environment as the paper mill five miles away or whatever. 
You know, like I think that there's there's always blame to shift. Well, we don't want to like cause the local community. Like, okay, we're on thin ice already. The getting the licenses for this place are nearly impossible. If the community turns against us, we're finished for sure. Uh, So we need to shift the blame like way far up. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll point to a different city or something. The 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 fact remains the same that we can uh, we can shirk almost all responsibility on the matter by finding something worse than us. Uh, the second thing you could do is just as the opener in that test, just hit them with every possible statistic out of the gate. Like, don't beat around the bush. Um, yeah, just. You don't set it up like, uh, you know, there's there's entire sections of museums that are and we have one of these where it's like the green kitchen or whatever. And you have to go through this little kitchen and it talks about like, oh, if you used a compost pile instead of uh, your trash, then you could do this. Or if you recycle, you you know, you can make a difference with all this stuff. No, I just want I want big numbers. I want scary numbers and I want all all the numbers at once. <laughs> well, I, th- the- I think that that's a uh, more on board with my idea. So yeah. I like that. It's a concentrated upfront, like know what you're getting into now. Let's, uh, let's have some fun. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be sort of like a tunnel and it's going to be really dark and it emerges into scenes of horror and like future scenes of the earth as sort of like a Venus style hellscape and, uh, and all kinds of things just terrify the crap out of people right <sighs> it might cut down on people spending money on the light-hearted fire no uh, shenanigans you know, later no you uh they are the you know what they will be even more light-hearted compared to what you had to go through to get there <laughs> thank god i'm out of there but <laughs> yeah. something that can make me feel better bye guys have fun at Camp. Be good, right. Felix. Be sweet. See you later. Well, we we got to do it. I mean, it's the only responsible thing to do. So uh, I think it's worth the risk. Yeah, I I, I love our fire museum, and I, I wish it was real. <laughs> I mean, and then obviously uh, the the cafeteria sort of like food situation will be off the off the chain. Oh, it's gonna um, be so spicy. <laughs> oh yeah i mean well that that's definitely fiery right like i, I was just thinking like in terms of of open flame grills and sort oh, of like uh, a pit yeah oh and here's another thing about museums everything 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 cooked over the fire no option for non-fire cooked food yeah so um museum food <laughs> Super expensive. I get it. They're trying to recoup certain costs. Museums aren't exactly a money maker. Yeah, um, that's that's their that's their fault for not having coin operated uh, burning. But uh, it feels like they're leaning off the top of my head. Every museum I've ever eaten at felt like it was it had gone beyond leaning on the food for money. It was it was as if they knew we were going to pay for food and. They barely used the thought of edib- edibleness, right? So I know I'm going to pay a lot of money. And I think this transcends going to stadiums or things like that. Like now that I'm thinking about it, museum food, easily worse than hospital food, which I was constantly derided. But if you go to a hospital cafeteria, you can get some good food sometimes. <laughs> museum food is just the worst. It's like 
the bulk bag of Sam's, but not the good one, like the one where you really got to save some money. And um, that's not what's going to happen here. People will spend the entrance fees to eat at the fire museum. I, I think that there is uh, once you're once you've like got the infrastructure up for some open fire cooking. Now you can start selling artisanal wood options. So I want, oh, I want it, yeah. you know, that's not just like fire. Like the whole point of this museum, the whole point of this museum <laughs> is, is what that, is that fire is not a fire is a category. Fire is a, um, a, a, a vast milieu of, um, of things that are burning. So like I want to be able to choose. I want to be able to say I'll take the steak over the juniper. You know what I mean? I don't know if that would be good. Juniper's real. I don't real know, smelly. but I am surprised you know, I've never been given that option on a menu before. Yeah, right. Like it has for all of the all of the dumb shit that's happened to <laughs> right, restaurants. Like, of all the insane stuff I've seen restaurants try, I've never gotten to select my cooking wood. Yeah. For for as many coffee shops as I've been in, where I get to choose whether my coffee is dripped or V sixtyed, which is just a pour over, and a pour over is just a, like a funnel, but a V sixty is special, I guess, for some reason, or um, titrated through one of those giant freaking vacuum tube glass yeah, things. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah, but I've never I've never had someone ask me what kind of wood I want my food grilled over. For shame. Well, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's see. Hands-on area, uh, massive amounts of waivers, flamethrower for extra cost. This thing's just bursting at the seams with, with revenue. Uh, I think I'm combining it with all the things I wish museums would do better. So it can only go up from there. <clears throat> And if it burns down, or part of it burns <laughs> down, <laughs> I almost feel like if we had insurance, which is going to be another problem, um, might be more publicity for the place. I do think that the insurance, uh, uh, specifically fire insurance, <laughs> for something that's called a fire museum. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm imagining pitching this to Chicago, which didn't it have a giant fire? Yeah, but we also okay. have a soccer team called the Chicago Fire. So I think they've kind of come okay, to terms so with the fire. They've come to terms with it because I was about to say, like, I think the initial support would be great until they heard our idea wasn't to memorialize the Chicago Fire anti fire efforts, but more I, to celebrate fire. You we know, could throw, we could throw a thing about fire trucks in the corner or whatever. Like, I mean, you could, oh, wait a minute, have more hands-on opportunities. I want to be able to put out a fire with an actual, like, a fire hose, like a, like a fireman fire hose. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely next to the flamethrower um, hands-on exhibit. Except oh, nice. you could actually do that more, like, cheaply. So I don't even think we'd have to charge for that one. I wonder if that would cut down on insurance, having like a fully operational <laughs> fire hose in, inside the fire museum. There's one every, like to get insurance, we have to put a fully operational fire hose every 10 yards in, a, in the museum. 
Yeah, but they're decorative. Like no one knows that they're functioning because that would like I think maybe make people nervous to know that they need to. <laughs> no, <be able laughs> just the opposite, Cam. Oh, you, okay. We you have to go through a short training video before you enter the museum on the usage of fully functional <laughs> fire hoses. Oh, that's true. I guess I guess making people less comfortable is not really in the spirit of the fire museum. Yeah, it's just like, in general. Yeah, it's like the exit row. Every fifth person has to has to agree, um, or one out of every five people have to agree to be a designated fire hose operator, and uh, you sort of have to go through a little training room before entering the museum, and then you wear like a red armband or something, and then they know you're the guy. You know, I think that you can. I think you can get out ahead of the uh, the whole inevitable parts of the museum burning down problem um, by simply building the museum. It's sort of a modular fashion, uh, sort of with airlocks or, you know, it's yeah, sealed it off. Type. We lose a, yeah. we, you lose an exhibit every couple months, but it seals off. And Right, right. And, and I think that um, you get, you, you prepare for that and you also prepare your messaging for that. So then when, when, uh, when the, uh, when the, the section about uh, the, you know, the, the Mrs. O'Leary's cow burns down, you just say, Surprise, we're remodeling. Like, you double down on it. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you, what burned down? <laughs> the Missouri's cow, the car, the fake cow, the cow that supposedly started the Chicago fire. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, there it's, you go. it's not true. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, myth started by a yellow journalism, I think. Um, well, it'll being, be a plushie, though. Yeah, it's, oh, absolutely. Okay. Definitely. And that, that's really easy because you got nobody to pay for that. You just get any old cow plushie. Any from, cow. Yeah. And, uh, but no, any part of the museum burns down and you get out ahead of it and you just say, you know, that, that you were, that's, that's how we remodel here at the fire museum. Like we don't take a wrecking ball to things. We just burn it down. It was on purpose. Um, it's the re it's the life and rebirth cycle of fire, which is, I think one of its greatest poetic, um, aspects. Mm -hmm. Is there, could we get a real Phoenix? I mean, I know it's, we're talking about genetic engineering, but. It'd be way cooler than just like a, like a, like, animatronic like, a, like setting a bird on fire. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I don't want to kill anything. I'm not. I'm against killing living beings in this case. I mean, there some plants are gonna eat it in the hands-on section. That's just how it's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't but, know uh, that I've ever used the word "being" to describe a plant, but I'm open to it. It's a living thing. I or, said being. <laughs> Uh, I, I think like, uh, yeah, okay. We, we could, um, once, once we start channeling our, you know, our, our once we, I think, start franchising the fire museum out, we end up with uh Euro fire and, uh, Japan fire, things like that. Um, we go international, ah. we start funneling that money into, I mean, you do what every responsible, like obscenely rich person does, which Funnel is instead it into of, creating life. Yeah. Instead of funneling it into, you know, civic works or, um, marginalized people groups or anything you uh pick a totally absurd future thing and then you funnel it toward that we're not going to space we're not going to mars we're not putting a we're not putting fire in on a on a rocket we are right. inventing a phoenix well <laughs> or um this you can make it sound humanitarian in you know if the inevitability of the earth is to burn in fire literally or figuratively um, we could create a form of life that could survive on the future fire earth. 
I see. So you're you're kind of like uh like with the big dogs, like Google's just building robots and then they're gonna decide what the robots are gonna be used for later, even though they're very obviously killer dystopian like tracker <laughs> cop robots. But Google's like, I don't know, we're just building some like a uh, thing that walks and then it can also jump up a building and you can't kick it over and it can chase you. <laughs> like they're not we're not gonna chase you. We haven't decided who it's gonna chase yet. So I mean, with us, it can we can chase, just, though. Yeah, it can just it can it can chase, and it's invincible, and it and it and it burns with hatred for humankind. But we're working on that. But so well, we can just to be fair, a, humankind burns with hatred towards humankind. So I mean, true, and we're robots just creating more <laughs> humans. Yeah, so we can be like, oh no, we're building like a we're we're working on an, an immortal fire being, and like <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll decide later what the immortal fire being is going to be used for. That's not really the point right now. Like, we'll, well like, look, we're people. only sure of a few things. It's yeah. immortal. Fire only makes it stronger, and it can fly. All right, right. starting points. Yeah, and we'll you know we'll we'll maybe it'll be up to the people to whom we license our immortal like uh, phoenixes and how they choose to use the phoenixes. Like this isn't the ethics are are not in our hands. We're we're just we're just inventing things over here. Yeah, there's a lot of positive use cases for these things, but we're you know we'll present you with the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then then it's your problem. you know, it, it, we'll, it, we'll just have to keep it on the DL if we sign any DOD contracts or something. You don't want to deal with the blowback from that. Oh, that's all top secret. Nobody can know about it anyways. Mm. Yeah. Immortal fire being. Uh, looks like... Um, I'm all the way to page four on Google. Doesn't look like there is an immortal fire being that isn't purely literary. So uh looks like that's a go. No licensing yeah. issues. Lots of lots of uh lots of inspiration there and also lots of things that are their uh their uh copyrights probably expired. Um so that's that's some public domain. <laughs> Back when fire was popular. <laughs> uh I I mean we we could uh I mean I don't think Prometheus is going to come track us down and and uh get onto us from using his name. I mean if uh No, he got punished by the gods, something bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will we get punished by the gods? Uh you know if if people started becoming actively punished by the gods, I don't think that uh I think we'd be pretty far down the line personally. Well, um, I think you think that, but it seemed like they were really touchy about fire, and it's been a while <laughs> since we stole fire. So the uh, this might just be that final escalation. I think yeah. this I would is consider it. it a we, public service. <laughs> we are. We can bring. We're going to bring about the real Armageddon with gods and everything, and that is an awesome marketing tool. <laughs>